0: My name is Jensen Karp and I'm a professional comedy writer, producer, rapper, and former morning show DJ. But above all else, I'm a sports fan. And here we are almost a month into an unprecedented sports drought. And I'm gonna be honest with you for a second. I'm extremely worried. ESPN is playing old WrestleManias and NBA players competing in video games. We're scrapping the bottom of the barrel here because we're all just jonesing for sports. So it got me wondering, if I feel this bad about it all, then how do the athletes feel? So that's what this podcast is all about. I'm talking to athletes and sports industry professionals to see what they're up to, how they're holding up. Are they still training? Do they miss playing? Are they wearing a mask right now? Because honestly, even over the phone, we can't be too cautious. Anyway, this is the No Sports Report. One of the first players to be drafted straight from high school, Al Harrington spent 16 seasons in the NBA and played for seven different teams the Pacers, the Hawks, Warriors, Nuggets, Magic, Wizards, and the Knicks, if you consider them a team. Harrington averaged 13.5 points and a little over 5.5 rebounds per game, which are really impressive stats for a dude who had nagging knee injuries for over a decade. He also had a brief stint in China playing for the Sturgeons, which makes me want to know the team names they didn't go with. And he was a playing co-captain of the Big Three Trilogy, who not only won the league's debut season championship, they went undefeated. But since officially retiring last year, he's traded in the letters NBA for CBD, building the Harrington Group, a cluster of medicinal marijuana businesses that includes Viola Extracts, Harrington Wellness that manufactures non-psychoactive cannabinoid products, and Butter Baby, which specializes in edibles and was my high school nickname. With Al's history in the league, his time in China, his new experience as a small business owner, and with the NBA just deciding to put drug testing on hold during the quarantine, I figured now would be a great time to see what he's up to during this momentary stall. So, here's my discussion with fellow Trader Joe's analyst, Al Harrington, on the No Sports Report. Call from...
1: This is Al Harrington.
0: To accept, press 1. Al, how's it going, man? This is Jensen. Good, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. First off, I just wanted to to figure out where you are during the quarantine. I didn't know where exactly you were uh, sort of locked in these days.
1: I'm <laughs> locked in Calabasas with my family. Uh,
0: that's just for the record. I am in Woodland Hills. I grew up in Calabasas. I grew. I even uh, went to Calabasas High School. So I know that our food pickings right now are slim.
1: you right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a challenge, but, you know, we figuring out a way to get through it all. Could be worse, I'm sure.
0: I agree. How are you guys passing time uh, during this?
1: Well, we have four kids. So it's Amaya. She's 10. Aleah is eight. Uh, little Al is four. And then my youngest, his name is Austin. He's two. You know, obviously during the week, they still have schoolwork, right? So um, they do Zoom calls with, with all their classmates. And they do that Monday through Friday. You know, been doing that with them. And then we go outside and we exercise So, you know, one of my daughters plays soccer, another one is an equestrian. The boys are just, you know, they just go on the play setting. And we walk the dog in the evening or whatever. So that's kind of been like our everyday kind (laughs) of schedule for the last month.
0: Yeah, you're sticking to the uh, homeschooling rules much better than I probably would.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely tough. my wife, she's a real MVP for sure. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I step in every once in a while. She's the one that does all the work, so I'd give her credit. But, um, you know, we're getting through it. You know I mean, the kids are definitely a little stir crazy. They, you know, whenever I decide I have to go to the grocery store or go to the bank or something, they're always trying to tag along (laughs) to get out the house. But, uh, you know, we're figuring it out.
0: Yeah. How are you finding supplies? I feel like we live very close to each other in the 818. I don't know if we have the best scenario. I think a lot of rich white people have basically panic purchased.
1: Yeah, but you know what, I mean, the only thing that's still on shelves, which, you know, to me is, still, is a little mind-boggling, you know, there's no toilet tissue and still no paper towels and no cleaning supplies, you know what I'm saying? So I can understand, like, running out of food and stuff, but, like, how are we running out of cleaning supplies? So, you know, I always think that I have a little bit of conspiracy theory, you know, within the way I feel about the way things are, like, unveiling or rolling out, but... You know, I just don't understand how it's so hard to get alcohol and, you know, different things like that back on the shelves. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense to me, but, you know, we just gotta, <laughs> we gotta just keep, you know, just try to stay safe, stay in the house. And I guess if you stay in the house, you won't need none of those supplies anyway, I guess.
0: I know that Trader Joe's that's near our houses. I have seen people outside of their six foot distance in between them starting at like 5 a.m.
1: Yeah, I've seen that, too. So it's funny, like, uh, the Ralph. So I go to Ralph. I go to uh, Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. I also go to uh, Irwan as well. So... Believe it or not, those three places, a lot of times when I go, I guess I go in during the right time of the day. I haven't really had to wait in any lines to go in, but I definitely see that straight in Joe's. There's always a line over there, that's for sure.
0: Absolutely. So you were drafted at 18 years old. You spent 16 seasons in the NBA. You played abroad. You played in the Big Three. You basically haven't stopped conditioning and training since you were 18 years old. It's a kind of a crazy thing to look at. What does this lull do for you in that kind of regard? I don't know if you've ever had this many days in a row where you're not able to be physical in like a, a public gym or, a, you know, a scrimmaging against people?
1: Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, I've put down the basketball over the last 12 months where I have not been like actually playing. But obviously, you know, wanting to take care of myself. I obviously do like 30 minutes to an hour cardio every day, sit-ups, push-ups. You know, when I get into a weight room and I lift weights or whatever. But trying to stay active has definitely been difficult just because usually some of my cardio is like hiking the trails and getting things like that. Yeah. So, you know, trying to be responsible and, you know, I've decided to stay indoors. I have a Peloton bike, so I usually ride that. I just bought some little boxing thing, seen on Instagram for last week. You know, biggest thing is I don't want to, you know, come out of quarantine, you know, 30 pounds overweight. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't, you know, help anybody, right? right. So just trying to stay active. And, you know, for me, it's pretty easy, right? Because, like, to your point, you know, I've been active before, way before 18, right? Before I got yeah. drafted, you know, as a youngster.
0: Yeah, because if I were you, after playing that much, like you said, probably since middle school, you've been nonstop basketball and sports in general. I, I would have gained 30 in the last 12 months. I mean, I even in quarantine, I'm like, have people been washing my jeans? They're so much tighter.
1: Yeah, right. Well, it's funny because I haven't had no reason to put on my jeans, so I need to try, probably go test them out to make sure I haven't. I'm one of those guys, I don't like getting on the scale. I just feel like the scale is always bad news, right? So I usually tell my weight by the clothes that I can fit.
0: Absolutely. I'm the exact same. I'm like, who's why? Is someone drying my hoodies? There's no way. It's clearly my way. It's not easy finding players who've experienced uh, playing in China and what it's like. Uh, when you heard of the virus first popping up in China, what did you think as someone who was a former resident who played a little bit there?
1: Yeah, first thing I was thinking is I hope the players that are there, you know, the Americans are trying to get home as soon as possible, not knowing that they was kind of, you know, running right into something even worse than what they was dealing with, right? So, obviously, you just immediately just think about their welfare, their health, and safety. Because, you know, I was there, and when I first got there, I got food poisoning. And I remember going to the hospital there. And it's no, nothing like the hospital I'm, we're used to here in the United States. You know what I'm saying? So, I could just imagine, you know, one of those guys, you know, were infected and, and would have to spend some time in the hospital. You know, i would definitely very concerned. So Yeah, what,
0: what, what is the difference in the hospitals? Everything. As in more chaotic? Is it? No,
1: just I mean, obviously, I didn't go into the ICU or anything like that, but just the emergency room was just, you know, just a big open space with just with tables all around. It reminded me of like uh, a training room, like in the NBA or something like that. You know what I'm saying? just so you got people in there coughing and doing whatever, and you're just all kind of sitting in one room. You know what I'm saying? So just seeing that and the doctor that saw me, I thought he was the janitor. If he was outside mopping the floor and everything. And then when they, whatever, did they diagnose of I me, mean, he came in and put on a doctor coat. <laughs> oh, so it was just, it was different. You know what I'm saying? And uh, like I said, I wouldn't want to be caught out there sick. That's no.
0: for sure. Have you been able to talk to any of those guys like Stefan Marbury? or Because I've been, I mean, I'm a super fan of his, and I know he went out there to coach and stuff. I'm almost, I don't think we're getting enough updates about those guys. Were they all able to come home? Do you know?
1: Yeah, they were all able to come home. It's funny, I actually talked to Stefan this morning. Yeah, he's back over there, actually. So he came home when it first happened. Obviously, you know, because all his roots there, he knew exactly what was going on. and He was actually, you know, warning me and warning anybody that would listen, like on his social, saying that, like, coronavirus is, is serious, right? We need to start taking necessary precautions, you know what I'm saying, to, you know, brace, you know, for this hit, you know, for the virus. And obviously, no one listened. And, you know, obviously... You know, our president and different people was all saying it was a hoax, So nobody in the country took it serious. And now we look at, you know, how serious this thing is with people, so many people losing lives and, you know, the world actually coming to a standstill because of it. But he went back, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, once they got it under control, he went back there, they quarantined him, they tested him, he was clean, and now he's back over there kind of living a normal lifestyle, you know, before corona hit China. So I hear now that there are more cases popping up or whatever in other parts of China, but I think where he is right now in Beijing or whatever, I think it's, he's pretty
0: safe. That's awesome. So, w- what is your opinion with what happens next with the rest of the NBA season? Like, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about different situations with no fans, or if the season gets canceled altogether. Like, what would, if you were still playing and active, and w- what would be your hope as a player for the rest of the season?
1: I mean, I would say it depends on where my team is at, right? You know, so obviously if I'm one of the teams that, you know, think that we can win a championship or really have a legitimate chance, you probably want to get back out there by any means necessary. But I think that, you know, just knowing the rigors of the NBA and different things like that, I'm concerned with trying to, you know, have these guys take a six-week, eight-week, maybe 12-week hiatus when they're not allowed to go to the gym and everybody's like, well, it only takes 12 days in training camp to get you in shape, but they've been training all summer. Yeah. <laughs> they've been yeah. training for four or five months. You know what I'm saying? To, that's why training camp can keep getting cut shorter and shorter because, you know, teams are confident that the guys are doing what they're supposed to do to take care of their bodies, you know, in the off season. Mm-hmm. But right now, like, guys are stuck in the house and they're doing, you know, workouts in front of a TV and they're riding the bikes and different things like that and, you know, that's just not going to cut it. So if I was them, you know, I would just, you just say you kinda gotta chalk it up, man, and just try to prepare for next season. They wanna believe that they can have a you know a strong season for twenty twenty one.
0: As you know, communities are experiencing these difficult times differently across the country. School closures, job disruptions, lack of paid sick leave, and the coronavirus disproportionate impact on adults age 60 and older and low-income families are all contributing to the demands placed on food banks across the country. So Feeding America, alongside their network of 200 local food banks, are actively coordinating with lawmakers, federal, state, and local agencies to tailor responses on a county-by-county basis depending on what is most urgently needed to ensure our most vulnerable populations can continue to have access to food and other needed resources during this emergency. Right now, their greatest need is donations and support of local food banks. Please visit feedingamerica.org to learn more about their response efforts and how you can help. Since you are a former Nick, I have to ask, it's such a mess. It almost feels like the coronavirus helped them this season with how much they were looking at. Like, is that team salvageable for 2021? How many seasons am I looking at as a sort of passive Knicks fan before I can start cheering in public?
1: I mean, so I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm like you, you know what I'm saying? So I'm a diehard Knicks fan, Mm -hmm. so... I'm gonna say next year is our year. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. If,
0: don't know if I believe. He That's
1: that for about fifteen years, even when I was there, you know what I'm saying. But um, I don't know. I think they got they got different leadership. You know, I like the Steve Scout hiring. I think that that's gonna give the team credibility from the standpoint of like making the team sexy and you know getting the right people at the games and different things like that. Leon Rose, obviously, you know, was definitely one of the better agents in the league. You know, great relationship guy. I think that he's a guy that can give the Knicks perspective of, you know, why so many teams or why so many players was not willing to come and sign there. Right. Yeah. And then I think they might, you know, hire a rock star GM, you know, I would hire Mark Jackson. Yeah. Just, like I just don't understand. Like if they go this time without hiring him again, man, I just think that, you know, maybe it is true that Mark Jackson is being blackballed or something. Cause it's just, you know, I just don't see no other coach out there. That you know could represent what New York is all about, and you know bring that that swagger, which I think what we're lacking. You know what I'm saying? Like you know all these other guys they hired in the past, it just didn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Except for Fisdale. I like I like I like the Fisdale hiring, but you know obviously you know they just kept giving them a bullshit team to play with.
0: Yeah, it's weird because I'm actually a diehard Clippers guy, so I know what it's like to have to hire around someone that's not allowing people to sign there. It's kind of like a weird situation where you can make it the best with different coaches, with Doc Rivers, whoever it is. But at the end of the day, I wonder if it's that it has to change at the top, top, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't think Dolan, I mean, I don't know. I may be wrong, but I don't think guys don't sign it because of Dolan. Right. Because Mm -hmm. like I said, when I was there, let's be changed a lot. Like, you never saw him, you know what I'm saying. He was not in practice games. He was never around to the point where it would have made me feel any type of way about him personally. You know what I'm saying? Like that's why when he gets such a bad rap, I'm just like, damn, what is he really doing? Because I never got a chance to like really meet with him, you know, or, or talk to him like that. He's
0: probably like band practice.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the fans obviously hate him. Yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, but I mean, shit, it's his team. It's his right to do whatever he want with it. You know what I'm saying. It yeah. sucks because you know New York is such a big market, and you know New York, L.A. certain markets should always have very competitive teams and. Just for some reason, New York had not been able to do it consistently.
0: Agreed. Well, something more uh, positive and uplifting. Since retiring, you've built up this Harrington Group. It is this amazingly impressive uh, medical marijuana empire. It's like you, you're cornering the markets, including an edible company. You even have a brick-and-mortar store now. Uh, I know you've had knee issues throughout your career. Where? What role does like cannabis play in that pain management?
1: plays a major role for me, you know what I'm saying, for my quality of life. You know, I feel is, you know, amazing because of the plant, because of the cannabis, because I have access to it. Obviously, you know, I use the CBDs and, you know, the hemp extract through my Harrington Wellness line. You know, I have a product called Replay. And then on the Biola side, you know, being able to, you know, consume different strains that I realize that the testimony and different things like that are good for me and, you know, the way I recover, after working out and live my life on a daily basis, you know what I'm saying, It allow me to be comfortable. And, you know, I really feel like if I had access to these type of products towards the end of my career, I honestly feel like I maybe could have played another season or, or two, potentially, yeah. you know what I'm saying?
0: That is what a lot of people seem to think.
1: I mean, I think it's worth it to the league too, right? I mean, if you could have, you know, God bless the dead, I would always say Kobe, you know what I'm saying? But. You know, if a guy like that or a guy like T-Mac or something like that could have got two more years out of someone like a talent like that and cannabis was the reason, you don't think it's worth it? You know, obviously with the are turning, you know, NFL moving in that direction to allow cannabis use, uh, the MLB has completely went that way. I think the NBA is next and NHL is next. And I think that they realize that it is beneficial to the players. And, you know, the players want access to it. And at the end of the day, if you're talking about what's best for them, you should give them access.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wonder, too, like, how is sales going for you guys in the pandemic?
1: They're they're going. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, when everything first happened and the stay-at-home was issued, you know, everybody kind of rushed to the dispensaries as if they were buying toilet tissue, right? Just just trying to stock up just in case. And then, obviously, once they deemed it essential, you know, the sales have kind of, kind of settle back. I think cannabis is recession proof. I mm-hmm. think that people will need it, you know, obviously additionally. And I think people will need it just on the everyday, you know, just being able to cope with, you know, all the other different challenges they have in their lives. You know, one of them are kids right now. <laughs> you know
0: yeah. I was going to say, that's the reason it became essential only because people spent like five or six days with their kids and they were like, no, we need to do this now.
1: <laughs> they need something. Right. And I'm happy about that. So, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful plant, you know, for our, for our society.
0: Sure. And how difficult is it on a more broad spectrum of running a small business right now? Like you, amongst all of this being essential, you're a former NBA player who now has an essential business. That's extremely rare. How how hard is it to keep it safe for your employees and such?
1: Not that we were prepared, but, you know, we were able to adjust pretty quickly, right? And the key to it was that all the employees bought in. Like, I got an amazing staff. I mean, you know, I had. In four states that I operate in, where I actually cultivate, you know, all four states, the growers and and his teams were willing to two week in home quarantine where you couldn't leave. They were all willing to stay, you know, bought cots and all the different stuff. And we had to set up in different parts of the warehouse so that they would be, you know, have the social distancing. So, you know, everybody just really kind of pulled their weight and was just willing to do whatever it took, you know, for us to continue to operate. So, you know, I'm definitely very, very lucky to have the team that that I have.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I was thinking about it too, like about basketball and, and, you know, it's such a progressive sport in the fields of like race relations and female referees and things that they've even female assistant coaches now, and hopefully a coach soon in the next few years. And I don't drink alcohol. It's sort of just a decision I've made on my own based on kind of how it makes me feel and act. But I always found it odd that we glorify alcohol during these like championship celebrations, yet we've demonized players like Ricky Williams or Robert Parrish over the years for smoking weed. Do you think there's ever a time where we cut back to the championship celebration and it's actually allowed for these guys to be smoking weed that it's more of like a public thing for sports
1: dudes yeah but you know i i don't see it being like in in the locker room right after the championship where i kind of agree with people it's all about the kids right you know what i'm saying how they look at the players as being heroes right and kids want to mimic every single thing that we do as professional athletes right so when you look at like commercials, they don't show us drinking liquor. Right. And I think that that's on purpose. Right. Because you don't want to, you know, we may promote it, but you don't sit there and drink it. Right. Um, And it's the same thing with cannabis. You know what I'm saying? I think it's okay to, for it to be known that players use it. But, you know, I think that in those type of environments where you have, where the audience is definitely younger kids, you know, you don't want, you don't want that to be shown. And I will say like, Even with that being said, I feel like with parents, the same way you sit down and have your conversation with kids about, you know, don't touch my liquor cabinet, Mm -hmm. the same way you got to talk to them about cannabis. You know, I feel like you should get ahead of it as a parent. Because if you don't, you know, some kid in school that don't know what the hell he's talking about or she's talking about is going to be the one that's going to be educating your kid exactly. <laughs> about
0: yeah.
1: cannabis use and different things like that. So, you know, my 10 and my 8-year-old, they, they understand exactly what I do and why I do it and the benefits that I get from it and the benefits that their grand, their great-grandmother got from it. Sure. And even their grandmother and grandfather, you know what I'm saying? So I just feel like, you know, at the end of the day, they're educated to know that, you know, this is not for you at this at your age.
0: Mm-hmm. The NBA did did have a step in the right direction during the quarantine for sort of allowing drug testing to be halted, whether that's a step in the right direction or just for social interaction, we don't know. But what percentage of the NBA would you say smokes weed?
1: I think that, for one, it was definitely good for social interaction because you didn't want some tested guy walking in players' houses or you not not knowing where he'd been at, quarantine the whole thing. So I don't think it would had anything to do with pushing – Uh, The agenda forward right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's probably 80% of the players that use some form of cannabis. And what I'm learning, you know, with these guys is they're not just smoking, right? They like edibles, they like the topicals, the CBD stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that that's definitely why I believe the number is that high is because I think that they've all experienced some form of cannabis, you know, at some point in their lives. And I think that, you know, a lot of them have found the relief that they were looking for. You know, they actually like to use it and it's something that they prefer to use. So I think it's definitely that high.
0: God, I hope Boban smokes weed. That would be great. During the time away from the game as a businessman uh, yourself, what do you suggest for players that have this free time on their hands to broaden their horizons, to look sort of beyond the game during this break? I mean, what, what would you say you who faced, you know, your retirement and such and decided you wanted to keep working, these guys sort of have that right now, what would you what would you suggest for them?
1: I always just say, you know, as players, I think that we should just always continue to just learn our financial situations better. You know what I'm saying? Just like continue to just understand it because, you know, we do have a high network when we're done playing. And a lot of times, you know, while you're playing, you have advisors that usually tell you, like, just focus on the court and make the money and I'll invest it and I'll make sure it's okay, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, over that time, you realize, like, you know, as you get older in the league, you're like, okay, now I made a bunch of money. I want to keep making money. I want to be successful, you know, as an entrepreneur, now let me see what I can do. And sometimes, you know, it's a little late and, you know, you find a lot of guys that are just throwing money at all kinds of opportunities just because they don't really know what they want to do. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So I was just here to take this time to, you know, understand your finances better. Um, if there were some investments that you had been thinking about doing or industry you thought about getting into, you know, take this time to, you know, learn about it, you know, make the phone calls, reach out to the people that are actually doing it and, you know, try to, you know, figure out if that's something that, you know, you want to actually invest in or be a part of.
0: Sure. That's a great idea. So we sort of end with one positive thing. We try to get out of here with this coronavirus sort of bringing it down. There's not not a whole lot of positive things we can find, but I do want to know first and then something dumb, but first, is there anything that you hope in society that we've taken on during this time, during this quarantine that we could maybe use in the future as a positive?
1: Man,
0: uh... I'll give you one. Do you want me to give you one that I thought of today?
1: Yeah, give me one. Yeah, give me one. Uh,
0: you know what I'm not doing anymore, Al Harrington? I'm not hugging strangers. Nope. <laughs> I'm barely hugging anyone who's not family at this point.
1: Okay, so good. So I guess one thing I could take out of this in that vein is I'm no longer sharing joints anymore.
0: There you go. That perfectly on theme, too. I, I, Dude, that to me, even when I smoked weed a few times in college, I was like, no, sir. This already looks dirty.
1: Yeah, it's funny, man. I always say it's a together thing, man. Like, you know, I will say that I feel like cannabis can definitely bring the world together. I think it can harmonize and bring us and get it all on the same page if we all use it. Mm -hmm. I think that sharing joints or blunts or whatever has definitely made lifelong friends out of people. You know what I'm saying? It definitely, you know, put me in a room with people I never thought I would be in and and, and become friends with people that I felt were enemies. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Seriously. So, you know, I guess, you know, not sharing it hopefully it doesn't kill that. You know what I'm saying? Because I definitely felt like that was something that brought a lot of people together, but I guess specials, it just has to be, you know, everybody had their own thing and just, you know, just smoking and talk and <laughs> do the same thing just without passing it. <laughs> I love it.
0: Uh, who, if you want to say, if you don't, it's okay. Who is the most unexpected person that you've smoked with in the past as an NBA player?
1: Most unexpected... I can't
0: say the name. All right. I'll just pretend that it's... Everybody. Bob. Okay, it's Bobon, right? Okay, hey, Bobon. There you go. <laughs> uh, lastly, I have suggestions. I've basically, for your free time, I bring every athlete three ideas that I think you could get into during the time off. You obviously don't need a whole lot since you have a, a lot of children at the house, but still, these are three ideas that you could get into during the time off. You ready for these? Yeah, me here. All right. One, I think that you could expand... Viola Extracts. I think you could expand the entire Butter Baby service, the whole Harrington Wellness. I think you could get into, uh, at home, in the kitchen, working on your own Rice Krispie Treats uh, for munchies.
1: <laughs> my wife
0: and I, this is why I bring oh. this up, my wife and I made a ton of Rice Krispie Treats. I don't even know if I like them. We made so many of them that I feel like I, I now could go out and sell them on the side of the street. And Rice
1: Krispie Treats, better than you remember. Yeah, Rice Krispie Treats are definitely one of my favorite. My kids love them, too. That's not a bad idea.
0: All right, there's one. Second, you're an entrepreneur. How about this? We've lost movie theaters. They're no longer even in our lexicon of businesses. How about drive-in movie theaters, bringing them back?
1: That's a great idea. See?
0: Look at me. I'm a genius. Third, one more addition to the Harrington Group – You team up with a fellow player in the NBA. You have some synergy amongst other sort of either newly retired guys or guys who will be playing when we get back into the league. But I want to introduce to you the JR Spliff. It is a large blunt that is endorsed by JR Smith.
1: Okay. Since JR is one of my little brothers and one of my investors in the company, I could definitely run that by him.
0: There you go. Didn't even know it. But you'll probably have to wait till he's fully retired because then he can go out and be like, nah, man, I use this JR Spliff. Can't really do that when he's in the NBA right <laughs> uh, well thank you so much man uh, I appreciate you talking to me and hopefully I run into you here at the uh, Calabasas Trader Joe's or something
1: <laughs> alright cool nice talking to you bro
0: keep safe alright you too thanks Al the no sports report is produced and distributed by Treefort Media the show is executive produced by Kelly Garner Lisa Ammerman and me Jensen Carp. our series producer is Matthew Kugler Tom Monaham is our senior audio engineer and sound supervisor with additional production help from Tim Schauer, June Rosen, and Haley Mandelberg with production and editing by Jasper Leak. Our theme music is composed by Spilkus. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You have nothing else to do. Send it to your friends, tweet, share, post about it, do whatever you can. And please visit feedingamerica.org. And if you're able to make a donation, any amount will help make a difference. And you can learn more about other ways to help on their website. For more information on the No Sports Report, links to the socials, and for our show transcripts for the hearing impaired listeners, please go to treefort.fm. Be safe and be well.